Welcome to Book Bistro, where book enthusiasts come to chat about the books they love in a warm and supportive environment. Today is Sunday, December 16th, 2018. I'm Shannon, and I'm here with Jen to talk about books that center around the LBGT population. Hello. Hello. This is an episode that we wanted to do for quite a long time. Um, It was just trying to figure out the best way to structure it. So we decided that we were going to just kind of have a free-flowing conversation, sort of like Sarah and I did for the steampunk episode a couple of weeks back. Um, And we're just going to talk about some of the things that we really like in the world of LBGT lit. But before we start, I just want to go through the usual housekeeping things. We are almost done, or at least we will be by the time this episode airs, sharing our top reads of 2018. So if you have not had a chance to go on over to our Facebook page and check those out, please do. You can find us on Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast. Once you're there, you can do a number of things like and or follow the page, send us a message, comment on any of our posts. Um, You can also send us an email separate from Facebook by sending it to thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. And I think that's all of my introductory type stuff. So let's dive right into LBGT literature. Do you want to tell them about the Facebook group? Um, yeah. So we have, before we dive in here, I just want to say that we have a Facebook group um, that is set up for listeners to interact with us and for listeners to interact with each other. You can ask to join it once you um, hop onto our Facebook page, and we would love to have you there. All right. Books. Beautiful, beautiful books. So about 10, maybe 15 years ago, when I started looking for literature that dealt with LBGT people, I had a really hard time finding it. A lot of it was done by these kind of like niche um, small presses. And it was hard to find. It was often very pricey. Now, though, I think people have a somewhat easier time accessing this literature because more of it is available in the mainstream. And I think that's fantastic. Like, if you think back to when we were reading, like, Radcliffe and Karen Callmaker. Yeah. Was all uh, yeah, it's like all stuff <laughs> that was not, um, was not available in a lot of formats from mm-hmm. a lot of, like... I mean, to be clear, it was in print. It was in print, but a lot of them are from like small, small presses, like Bold Strokes, for example, or Allison. Yes. um, Things like that. Um, And then other publishers, of course, as well. But the point is, is they were in print. They were often difficult to find because it's not like you could be like, oh, here's a section. I'm going to go over here and get this. Right. You Um, couldn't go into like Barnes and Noble, for example, and say, oh, I'm going to pick up some Radcliffe or some Catherine V. Forrest or... Right. And that was a lot of the the old school stuff. I mean, there was other things as well, like even further back than that, you know, like, for example, Giovanni's Room by James Baldwin. Ah, yes. um, Things of that nature um, and other stuff as well. But the point is, is that the amount of availability and the variety of formats now is extensive. Um, yes, you can find to... a lot of stuff in audio, in ebook. Yes. Um, if people still do, because I know there are people who do still read hard copy print these days, Imagine. you can, of course, still find it that way. Yes. Yes, definitely. But... And, and you might be able to find, like, even, like, older trade paperbacks of, like, some of these, you know, more uh, – yeah, classic titles that we talked about. Um, that's I wondered how I found though a long time ago is to get it, and, like in paperback. Yeah, like a used bookstore. Yes, I wonder though things like you know like the Bold Strokes books, for example, because mm-hmm. um, I don't think that Bold Strokes is still even in business now. No, it might. It, I don't. I don't either. But the other thing I would suggest too is if you're looking for print sources, if you are so fortunate to have a feminist bookstore in your town. 
please, 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 first of all, please patronize it and independent bookstores in general because they're a rare breed. And second of all, especially with feminist bookstores like um, my, what I consider my hometown, like we have one of the, I think, one of the few, I mean, there's one in Chicago too, but one of the few remaining feminist bookstores in existence in the Midwest. Like there's a big one in Chicago that I've been to as well. What was the name of that one that we went to in Chicago? It is called Women and Children First Bookstore. That's and right. they are, always have tons of amazing events. And But don't take a cab there because it's really expensive. It, yes, it is. Depending <laughs> on where you're coming from, you don't want to do that. No. Um, but anyway, uh, yes. So I, that is another place where you might find um, print versions of these kind of things because they're more likely to have these um, books done by independent presses and things like that. Um, and there's some other presses I'm not thinking of the names of right now, but there, yeah, there's I know like Karina press does mm-hmm. some LBGT stuff, not exclusively, but like they do some, but I love that so many of the big publishers now yes. are picking them up and doing them. So you don't necessarily have to just look for these really small kind of out of the way places Mm-mm. that you can like go to Amazon and buy things. Or if you're an audio reader, you can find a lot of things on Audible. There's tons on Audible. Yes. In fact, I, I read a bunch of um, Megan O'Brien stuff, you know, that yes. and other things. Um, there's just such a variety. It's, it's great. So do you think that we should start kind of recommending some things? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we can do that. All Can right. I start do with you... what I've read most recently, or should we go back further? Start from the back. No, no. Back in the go past. Ahead. I read it too, and it's beautiful. Oh my gosh. Okay. So, how many people have heard of Rebecca Mackay? You haven't. We will now. Um, <laughs> the Great Believers by Rebecca Mack. Is it Mackay or Mackay? I think it's M A K K A I. So, okay. I'm guessing um, Mackay she... would be. Yes. So she is an author from Skokie, Illinois. And she wrote this amazing novel this year that is on my top list. It is on your top list. It should be on everybody's top list. Yes. And it's called The Great Believers. And it, this book, this is like an emotional kick in the teeth. It just, as you said in your top list, it will wreck your soul in the best way possible. Yes, yes, it will. And it will. Okay, so in this book, we see Yale and all of his friends. This is very much about found family and creating your own community and a time and place and, and living through a very specific time of history um, and LGBT history in particular. So we see Yale and his friends and his partner, and they are living through the AIDS crisis in 1985 in Chicago. And, and that's in our quote unquote past portion of the book. And then in our present day portion of the book, we see Fiona, who is the sister of his um, friend Nico, who dies in the beginning of the book, and she is looking for her daughter um, in Paris, who has recently come out of a cult. Um, and do you want to go on and explain things from there? So it focuses largely on both in the past and the present, the impact that all of these deaths had mm-hmm. on both Yale and Fiona. So in different ways. Right. So we see the kind of, you know, day-to-day struggle that these people went through in the 80s, yes. but we also see, you know, 30 years on how Fiona is dealing with that. And we see just the way that it shaped her and in some ways made her not very functional. Yes, and I I love there's this quote in the book. I mean, her writing is just gorgeous. Like so austerely gorgeous and just oh like there's this long you know and I actually like save this in my quotes from Goodreads where it talks about um don't these people realize that they're walking through ghosts the ghosts of uh boys that the world spat out yes and um and so it talks about like basically because um Fiona was forced to really grow up at a very young age and her brother left when he was a teenager. And although she was technically younger than him, she became in a lot of ways, like a mother figure to him and to other people in their friendship circle, um, who were a lot of these other gay men that he knew. And she ended up having to take on a lot of really intense medical responsibilities, um, like being sort of like a medical power of attorney 
for people. And it was just, it, she just dealt with a lot of death of people that she was extremely close to, really close together at a really, really young age, you know, like 20 years old um, and, and things like that. Um, yeah, it was so, so great. It's, it's very, very stark. Um, mm-hmm. You know, she, she does not try to make it nice for people, which she shouldn't because it's not at all a nice thing. But no. the way that she handles this subject, it's done, I think, in a very sensitive way, but also in a way that is very it's, honest. It's rawly compassionate, I feel like. Yes. And it's yes. just so and, – and the other thing I love, which is kind of a side note – um, for me personally is because I've always lived in Illinois and Wisconsin is that's where the majority is having stuff in Paris, of course, where the majority of this book was set. And so I love the way she captured a sense of place, um, which is just another thing I loved, but the, 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 she's, her characters are so vividly drawn and the way she just, you feel like you are right there with these people as they're living, you know, going through all these experiences and, it was just, it was such an intense read. It was one of those books where when I was done, I, I couldn't just start something else. Like I, I, I had to sit with it. Yeah. It's hard to pick a next book after you finish this. It is so amazing. I want everyone to read it and to love it and to come away with a deeper understanding of this particular piece of history. So this yeah, again because... is The Great Believers by Rebecca Mackay. Yes. And like, I mean, okay. I know people on other podcasts say things like this book is so important but this book is to me so important (laughs) it it is important it's something that we don't hear a lot about like for you and I you know we were little kids when this was happening but for my partner um this was something that she lives through as an adult Mm-hmm. Um, which is a completely different situation. You know? Right. It was something that, you know, she has personal knowledge of that I don't. And whereas reading something doesn't give me personal knowledge, it does give me a mm-hmm. deeper understanding of a time and place that like, I am not going to understand in any other way. No. And I, I've known somebody with AIDS before, like, um, you know, in the early 2000s, um, right before like about 2000, 2001, um, I went and visited some friends in Milwaukee and there was a guy living in their building that they were friends with that I became friends with too. And he had AIDS. And that was like really my first time being around somebody who really had that. Um, and so, you know, a lot of things that they were talking about in the book, I was like, Oh yeah, I remember that happened to that person and mm-hmm. that kind of thing. It's, symptomatically. I mean, right. Um, and, uh, so yes, this book is just, I mean, it, it, it will, like, gut punch you emotionally. Um, it's a very intense thing. It's something that I had to take in very slowly. It's a very long book, but it doesn't feel long. No, it doesn't. I read it quickly, um, a lot quicker than I expected to. Actually, um, there's some of those things, like, I just couldn't look away from. Yeah, I, I had to – I took it in, I think, over about two or three days because it was just very intense. It was a very intense read. But it's just so incredible, and I can't recommend it highly enough. In fact, for me, I feel like it's one of my top two books of the entire year. Yes. Um, I'm wondering, and I have not read this. I want mm-hmm. to. I picked it up briefly and then put it back down. I think I just wasn't in the mood for it. But I wonder if mm-hmm. Christadora mm-hmm. by oh, that looks Murphy, so good. which I yes. think is also supposed to focus a little bit. I don't know if it focuses as much on the AIDS crisis as The Great mm-hmm. Believers does. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it has something to do with that. And I wonder if that's kind of a similar, um, a similar thing. I want to read it. I have it here. I do too. I, I have it on my list because it was definitely one that caught my eye. Oh, and it is set there. in this building, which is called the Cristadora. And I don't know a ton about it, except that it seems to have kind of a revolving cast of, of characters. So we see things from several different perspectives um, and I do mm-hmm. want to check it out because it does deal with LBGT themes. Mm-hmm. And I'm almost positive it has something to do with the AIDS crisis. Is it crisis. set in New York? I feel like it's set in New York. I think it is. Okay. I do not remember, but I, I think. I don't either. But I think I'm that's feeling, true. I'm feeling like it is, yeah. And it's a couple years old. Um, mm-hmm. I think it came out like in 2016. But I do want to check it out at some point because after I read The Great Believers, it kind of made me 
like want something Mm -hmm. similar you know not necessarily the same story but something with that same kind of feel yeah I I love books where you have this like ensemble cast that you know that it's that whole sense of like chosen community chosen family um it's because you you really saw like how these people were there for each other when the people that were supposed to be there for them either couldn't or wouldn't be yes and I think that's a theme with a lot of this literature that, you know, when your quote-unquote blood family, you know, isn't there for you, you can hopefully build a community and a chosen family of your own. And we see that, mm-hmm. I think, a lot absolutely um, in these types of things. So I do recommend The Great Believers, and I also am hoping to love uh, Krista Dura yeah, whenever yeah, I get a chance to read it. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Do we want to stay with, like, kind of adult LBGT stuff? Or should we dive um, into YA? Why don't we dive into YA and then we can come back to adult? All right. Since we just did a big chunk on a big adult novel. Like a yes. One. So beautiful. So, when Jen and I were growing up in the 90s, there were not books that talked in a positive way about the coming out process or even just the like living life as a teenager who identifies as LBGT. You just don't, you didn't find those types of books. No, but I love that teenagers growing up today have so many options for books that deal with different aspects of this process. Like Mm -hmm. there are books specifically about coming out, but then there are also books about just, you know, going about your daily life in, Mm -hmm. you know, in a high school or in a small town or at a camp. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like um, one of the first one, well, I've read a bunch. And of course there's like the classic Annie on my mind, which is oh, Annie on my mind by Nancy garden. Yes. Yes. And that one came out a while ago, but I only read it like a few years ago. Yeah. I read it as an adult. I think that was one of the very few that would have been, you know, kind of out like when we were growing up. I think so. Yeah. I don't remember when exactly what year it came out, but I thought that book was great. And then it was wonderful. Another one that really stands out for me. And, and I'm talking here about a few coming out kind of romance novels to begin with, but um, was Ask the Passengers by A.S. King. Um, and I think and... that's a little bit even more of like a middle grade um, than YA. Like the characters are kind of on that younger. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm trying to think. How old were they? Like maybe 14 or 15? Yeah, I don't remember so... exactly. Because I think uh. the like the grade level, if you look it up like on a library site, like mm-hmm. it talks about um... – you know, like for grades like six through nine. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but yeah, I thought that book was really great too. Um, and that one dealt with um, with coming out and with, you know, teenage romance and that kind of thing. Um, I mean, but there's so many. I mean, there's and there's so many genres as well. I mean, we have everything from like Ellen Hopkins to, um, you know, The Little and Lion to... Just, oh, you know, Brandy so Colbert. And I think... Yes. What I loved about Little and Lion by Brandy Colbert is that it was not just a book about mm-hmm. someone being bisexual, for example. Mm-hmm. It was a book about a bisexual girl who also was living in like an interracial family. Yeah. Um, her older like stepbrother had some mental health problems. So it was a very, mm-hmm. very complex book that shows like, okay, just because this character you know, identifies as bisexual, like there are other things that are happening in her life that are just as real and as difficult for her as like her sexual orientation or identity. Right. So we didn't just focus on her being bisexual. You know, we saw that and we saw kind of how she was dealing with that and how she Mm -hmm. went about being supported by her family and her friends. But we also saw her struggling with some other kind of you know, teenage issues. Right. So it was like focused on as an aspect of who she was, but not all of right. who she is, which is how right. it should be really. Um, and then of course there's uh, that if I were your girl. Oh, um, Meredith Russo. Yeah. Meredith Russo. Um, that deals with um, 
a trans girl and she has just recently um, had her, her sexual reassignment surgery and she is, is struggling with a lot of things about that, about living as a girl for the first time and how does she get people to accept her for who she is? How does she navigate things like changing in the girl's locker room when maybe she's a little bit uncomfortable with people seeing her body? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's just a ton of things in YA I think now. One of my favorites is mm-hmm. another very, very sad poignant book and it's called history is all you left me by adam silvera Mm -hmm. and it deals a lot with kind of that first love that you have you know when you're a teenager and that deep kind of Mm -hmm. you know soul wrenching love that these two boys share Mm -hmm. but when one of the boys dies in a tragic accident like how how does the boy who's left behind deal with that? Right. And what happens when he's looking for love somewhere else now right. and he finds it in this really unexpected place. And it's just a, it's a beautiful story. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved the way he wrote about being a teenage boy, which obviously I know nothing about, <laughs> but he, he captured like these characters in a way that felt really authentic without Mm -hmm. being kind of like stereotypical. It wasn't like, Oh, you know, all gay boys act like this, but it was, it was a very, very like on point Mm -hmm. kind of like what I remember about, like, for example, my brother growing up as a teenage boy um, Mm -hmm. and you know, like the conversations that these characters had Mm -hmm. felt very reminiscent of things that like, you know, my brother would have said when he was yeah. that age. And so I, I appreciated that. Mm-hmm. And Silvera's writing is, is stunning. Um, again, it's a, it's a difficult read. It will make you cry, but it's so, so good. He's written some other things. I haven't read them yet. Um, they both die at the end. There's another yeah. one, um, more happy than not. Yeah. And then he co-authored with, um, Oh, Becky Albertalli. Yeah, Albertalli. He co-wrote What If It's Us. Yes. Um, and I, I haven't read either of them yet. Either Becky Bertalli, uh, Albert, whatever. What is Albertalli. And <laughs> I haven't read her or him yet, but I, I plan to. They're on my list. Um, yes, they're, they're so, so good. I also want to check out Melinda Lowe, who yes! writes Thin some Dark, young adult fantasy. A Thin Dark Line. No. Dark no. Line. Dark a line in the dark. That's a line in the dark. Right, right, right. <laughs> Think about really that good. for a minute. That thing. Yes. Um, and that's like a, a thriller with yeah. some LGBT characters. She also has a like retelling of Cinderella that involves Ooh. lesbians. I think that's called Ash. Okay. Um, and then there's one called Huntress mm-hmm. that's also like an LGBT-themed fantasy. Very cool. Yes. Um, girls made of snow, oh, and, glass. snow and glass. Yes. <laughs> I had to think about that. I'm like, girls made of ellipsis. <laughs> I just think I was thinking like stone, but that's not right. No. Um, but yes, that's another kind of like snow white fairy tale retelling. Yes. That deals with lesbians. Um, I can't mm-hmm. remember the, oh, um, Militia um, ba- Basher Doust. Yeah, yeah. Basher Doust mm-hmm. or something. Yes, yes, yes. Um, and that's another one that I, I did really enjoy. So there's just so much out there. I know. Ellen Hopkins. Yes, Ellen Hopkins has done some great stuff. Um, and again, often it's LGBT characters, but them being LGBT is less the story than like what else is happening with them. Right. I think um, like there's one that she wrote called Tricks and the follow-up to it is Trafficked. Mm-hmm. And right. it's, it deals with sex trafficking. And yes. there are some, some characters who either identify as gay or who are kind of 
initiated into that lifestyle um, because of, of this trafficking. Right. And it's not always easy to read. And when I say lifestyle, I know some people really object to that being like, you know, being gay, being termed a lifestyle. But I think in the case of this particular novel, there was a certain um, lifestyle to it of like living on the streets, for example, um, that is very separate from just what you. Right. And that's what you meant by the lifestyle part. Right. I guess yes. That. Yes. Not like, oh, it's a lifestyle choice mm-hmm. um, because certainly it is not. And I would never want to imply that it was. Right. But yes, there are some spectacular Ellen Hopkins books. Mm-hmm. Um Aside from from tricks and traffic, there's perfect. Perfect. Yep. Um, there's also a, I think it's tilt, that has. Was it tilt? Okay. I think it is. Um, that deals with a couple of I think one guy and one girl who are struggling oh. with some like sexual identity. Okay, I haven't read tilt yet, so I don't know. I I like tilt. Okay. So these are books. I think we've said this before like I don't know that they're classified as young adult I don't know if I were in charge of a young person's reading especially a like younger young person um I don't know that I would hand them an Ellen Hopkins book and say here but and that's mainly because it's it's very gritty it's very raw it, it's, yes it's not sugar-coated at all no um, so it's it, it, that's the only reason it's not because either of us thinks it's bad writing it isn't it's really good it's just really intense and I think it's different I think to know that say a kid like knows about something rather than having them read this whole thing I don't know yeah that's very you know I I think it it's very graphic I guess it is very graphic and I think for some kids like there are you know obviously some very mature um, YA readers who are Mm -hmm. you know 14 15 years old and that would probably be fine for them but I think there are other like young twelve year olds, maybe. Yeah, yeah, that that might not be best. Well, and when I say like graphic, I mean like all her stuff, not just the LGBT specific stuff, but like no, it's books all about drugs and and different things, and it, it's all eating very... disorders and yes, exactly, and like and a lot of mental health things, and it's, it's she writes in a very stark way, um, and it's very good. It's just really gritty. Yes. For lack of yes. a better term. So, um, do we want to jump back to adult stuff? Yeah. I want mm. to talk about tipping the velvet. Oh, yes. Because Sarah Classic. Waters, for me, I think was one of the first kind of authors who dealt with someone being a lesbian, but had it like set in this historical, you know, it's like lesbians in Victorian London. Yes. In a way that like I hadn't seen before. Mm-hmm. And there's just something so magical about that theater world that her characters inhabit. Um, and it's this like epic love story. And yet like so much more than that. And I don't want to say a ton about it because I don't want to give it away for people who haven't read it. But it is a fantastic novel. Sarah Waters has written um a lot of things that deal with LBGT people. Fingersmith is another one that I really loved mm. um, that has some very strong, um, like, lesbian romance. Mm-hmm. Um, Affinity is also very good. There are others, but I have not read them, so I can't really attest to whether they're good or not. I know that Nightwatch, um, that I tried to read me it. so much. <laughs> yes, I... I had a hard time. Partly, I think it's it's written in reverse And I order. didn't know that for the longest time. And then when you told me that, I was like, okay, no wonder it confused the hell out of me. Yes, it just did <laughs> not make sense. Um, but she's a very, very gifted writer. Her books are long. Oh, you yeah. can really, like, sink into them. Um, and I love them a lot. So I do want to recommend both Tipping the Velvet and Fingersmith by she's Sarah Waters. A new one called The Paying Guests that I haven't read yet. No, I haven't either. I've seen it. I think it's also set in the 20s, which is very cool. Yes. Oh my um, gosh. But yeah, I, I do want to pick that up at some point. 
I would like to mention Bittersweet <gasps> by Nevada oh! Another historical. Yes. And this one gets into one of the themes that we see quite a bit in like historical stuff, which is where one woman who is typically more quote unquote masculine will pass herself off as a man. Yes. We see that happening um, at some points in the book. And this one is about Imogen and is it Sarah? I cannot remember her name. Oh my God. And that makes me sad. I read it a really long time ago. I did too. I did I too. I think, in fact, it might have been one of the first adult books I read, possibly. It was at least one of the first ones I read on audio. I know that. Yes. Um, yes. But it was really fantastic. Um, I'm trying to remember when it was set. This is so terrible. It's like in like the 1860s, 1870s, okay. I, mean, it was 1800s. I think. I was trying to remember. Because it's kind of that, like, homesteading. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because mm-hmm. one um, of them is, like, a teacher or something, I think. Yes, or yes, was. was. And then the other person, like, had, like, homestead or something? I think they went out, like, they got it because they were, they traveled. Yeah. And then they they were living together. Yeah. And that's when the imaging person. Said she was Carl somebody. Yeah, she did say she was Carl. Um, and it was, I was a little bit skeptical at first because I'm not a fan of Nevada bars, like Anna Pigeon no, mysteries. No, I've tried. So I, when I saw Bittersweet, I was like, oh, I don't know that I want to read this. Like I haven't liked other stuff of hers, but I'm so glad that I picked yeah. it up because it's, it's wonderful. It's very different from other things that she's written. It was really good. It and it's just really, a, really a wonderful story. Yeah. Um, there's also, of course, Transistor Radio. Yes, that by was Chris really Bajalian. Uh, that was the first trans-centric book I ever read, and actually, I think it was possibly the first Chris Bajalian I read, um, and I read it on tape initially, which proves how old. It yeah, because well, that's how like <laughs> I read Bittersweet too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, was that's on true. cassette. I read Bittersweet on tape too from the library. Yes. Um, and this one I actually picked up. So in my old neighborhood, there was this little like used bookstore there for like a minute. And they had this randomly there because I'd always go and check their audio to see like, what do you have that interests me? Yes. And I picked this up. And I like didn't know what to expect. But I love – so Chris Pajelian, when he's good, he is really, really good. It's true. And this is a case where he's really, really good. And the thing I found so fascinating about this was not only the way it, it very frankly tells the story of somebody's transition, but also it does it through how it affects multiple people. So not just through the trans person's perspective, but through all these other people that are in this person's life as well. Um, and I love how it's like a, like a radio yes. kind of documentary. Yes. Yes. I was going to get to that next. Yes. I love that part. And so I found that super unique in terms of a way to tell a story. Because, like, one of the people, I think the father, like, worked for um, public radio. And the daughter is kind of the one telling the story. Spearheading the whole, like, making of this. Of this documentary. And so Dana is the woman, um, the trans woman in this story. And at first, uh, Dana is not transitioned and then Dana comes out and uh, before she comes out she's dating this uh, the main character's mother and I'm sorry I'm not remembering the main character's name no I'm not either actually (laughs) anyway so she's dating her mother and then she comes out as as trans and the mother has to kind of decide like how she feels about that because originally like before that she was you know with men and she'd never been with a woman before be they trans or otherwise and so she has to kind of decide like how she feels about that and and the book kind of goes on from there I can't really say much more about it because there's a big twist and yes but it's so so good it was there's also not quite in the same vein but a similar kind of author is um Jodi Picot's New Home oh I love that book yes yes that's another one I feel like if this author is on point and like you know writing her best like they're so so good and Sing You Home is definitely one of her best and it has to deal it deals with a lesbian couple who um are trying to um 
they want to have a baby right and they want to have control over one of the women's like eggs basically right that she had frozen when she was married to a man and and so they end up having to go to court to Mm -hmm. to do that to gain like rights to to use those eggs and it's just a, a fantastic story um, you know, the signature yes. kind of Jody Picot, like legal battle, but also this really in-depth look at both sides of, mm-hmm. of an issue. Well, and Chris, to me, Chris Bergelian and Jody Picot are very similar in that. Yes. They take these things that we, we some, and I've talked about this before a little bit, um, but they take these things that we perhaps think about or see mentioned in the news and they like really sort of either turn them on their heads or really bring them to light in a brand new way and really make you think. And you're right there with these characters as they go through these experiences. And it really makes you think like, what do I really think about this? Or how do I feel about that? And just really thought provoking writing when it's, when it's good, it's exceptional really. Yes. So I want to jump back to something that you said about bittersweet when you were talking Mm -hmm. about women having to pass themselves off as men. Yes. And I recently read a novel that came out this year. It's called The Best Bad Things. And the author is Katrina Carrasco. And this is a historical mystery about a woman named Alma who used to be a Pinkerton detective, but was fired because she enjoyed going undercover as a man. And this was like not allowed back back then, like in the 1880s. And so she is now kind of on her own in like San Francisco. And she wants to reunite with her lover who is now like this sort of um, like, like female crime boss. And there's this like opium smuggling that's going on. And so Alma Mm -hmm. is investigating some kind of shady things that are going on. And she's hoping to end up like reuniting with her lover. And so there's, it's not a romance in the true sense of what a romance is. Like it doesn't focus so much on their relationship, but there are some romantic elements to it. And it looks pretty deeply at what it meant for Alma to become a man in, you know, to live as a man and like sacrifice kind of her identity as a woman and how that felt for her why she chose to do it and then how she kind of reconciled like the times when she did present as a woman. And so it's this interesting blend like sexuality and identity. The book itself, like I I didn't love everything about it, but I do think that for people who are looking for this kind of, you know, historical mystery um, Mm -hmm. with some LBGT themes, there aren't, there aren't a ton like it. Right. And so I think it definitely um, deserves to be mentioned here as something that, you know, is, is worth reading, even if you don't come away feeling, you know, completely like in love with, with this story. Another thing that I want to mention that is somewhat uh, more current, there's this series, and it's a duology so far. I don't know if it's meant to go on exactly, um, but it's about this private investigator. Um, oh. I remember the name of the first one, which is uh, The Last. The Last Place You Look? Yes. Okay. Something so like first... that. Yes. Okay. So the first one is called The Last Place You Look, um, and the second one is called... Uh what you want to see or something like that. Yeah. We will um, have the, the exact titles of in, the show, in the show notes. I have it and I could look it up really quick, but I don't have my computer on. Yeah, it's fine now. But anyway, the point is, um, is these are about this private investigator who is not a perfect character. She has a lot of problems. Um, like she has some drinking problems. Um, and she is a bi character. So we see her um, having this primarily physical relationship with this guy. Um, and then we also see her having entanglements with this woman that she was um, romantically involved with. 
um, well, this person is not exactly the best individual on the planet. Um, it's a very kind of talk. Um, but, you know, we, we see her as a, as a bi character and we see her, you know, living that way. And, and obviously she's a very flawed character um, and she doesn't obviously make always the best um, relationship choices. But I think that's very realistic because not everybody does. And... It's true. People make kind of yucky relationship yes. choices sometimes. Right. It, yeah. Um, but but it's it's it, I, I thought it was um, a nice way to to show that and it's not like a thing where she's like hiding from either person. Like I'm. Mm-hmm. You know, Has kind of thing. She, have you read both of those or just the first one? Just the first one. Okay. I'm just for the first one. I, I plan to read the second one soon because I did like the first one a lot. Yeah, I have both of them here, but I haven't um, mm-hmm. haven't picked them up yet. Yeah, so that's that's another um, that's another one because again, like I, I think there's like some older mystery series, um, LGBT mystery series, but you don't see a ton of of mystery. No, uh, like there's the Laurier King, um, yes, Kate Martinelli the, books, and I do love those. Like several of those in that series are very good. And ooh ooh ooh, there's Val McDermid. Yes, I think Val McDermid writes. Um, you know, I'm. I'm a little bit disenchanted with her like long running um Tony Hill and Carol Jordan uh, I am too but the early books in that the early books really, are amazing really good and that is a series you do need to read in order um but there are some really excellent um LGBT characters throughout that series and, yes. and continue to be and often they're like supporting characters as opposed to main characters in a lot of cases Right, because the two kind of main characters in that series um, are straight, mm-hmm. but yeah. we see a lot of of the supporting cast. Um, and yes. yes, those early books are super great. The the more recent ones, I, I'm not a fan of at this point. But no, and a lot of it is because of the. So there's this ongoing relationship between the two main characters, Carol Jordan and Tony Hill. That's just honestly quite tiresome at this point. Um. Yeah, I'm. I'm kind of tired of that i wish they would <laughs> <laughs> just like get their stuff together and like move on already because and they won't no like, no nauseum. <laughs> so <laughs> yes i wish those people would would get themselves together but they they, they haven't and they won't and okay I, I shouldn't say they won't i guess to be fair they might we don't know they're not Val mcdermott it's true and we haven't read like some of the most recent ones but they i did did you? Yeah. Have you read like the one that just came out? Like the. What was that one called? Oh my God. I don't even know. Okay. Cause I, I read like cross and burn. I read like. Sl- yeah. Of the silence. There are. I think that was the most recent one. Wasn't it? Splinter of the silence. I feel like. I don't remember. I know there are a couple that I have not read. I bet I've read them just okay. because I don't know. It's sort of like, Ste- it's not the same as, but it's sort of like Stephanie Plum. Like, uh, I'm like, I'm not going to read that. And then I do. <laughs> it's a bad habit. Well, you know. <laughs> but um, yeah, there are, I think, some like kind of mysteries that that have some LBG, LBGT themed, um, mm-hmm. you know, stuff going on. But it's not it's not as prevalent. I think we see a lot more romances like KJ Charles. Oh, gosh, yeah. Robin, yes. your friend Robin loves KJ Charles. Yes, and I've yes never she does. Him. Her. I think it's actually a her. Um, okay. And some of the women that I review with over at All About Romance um, really like her stuff as well. I want to read the first in her, like, Society of Gentlemen series because um, it's, like, you know, historical London. She also has some that are written in the 20s. Or not oh. written in the 20s, but set in the 20s. Ooh. Um, so I kind of want to check that out. I also am interested in that, um, oh, uh, Kat Sebastian who writes, oh yeah, gentlemen like, don't keep score. A gentleman never keeps score or something. And then there's a whole, like, something about the Marquis. Yeah. Um, and I want to read, and I haven't read these yet, but I want to read, um, guide to petticoats and piracy oh because um, those both yes. look super great um and i forgot you really might want to give those titles again because i think the 
connection kind of. Okay. The other two I'm really interested in checking out are both by Mackenzie Lee and um, they're called The Gentleman's Guide to Vice and Virtue and The Lady to Petticoats and Pirates. Yes. Which both look really fantastic. First of all, great titles, sidebar, but second of all, look really fun. Um, and they're these kind of like YA, like right on the, the cusp of like YA and the kind of crossover. Mm-hmm. Um, they're set historically and they just, they look really, really great. And I want to touch on some other romances here real quick. Like um, I, uh-huh. I mentioned Megan O'Brien. But she's written a ton of great things, like Battle Scars, I thought was just so wonderful. Um, I don't think you've read that. Which one's the first no, one you've read? No, I've, I've read Wild. I um, love that's Wild. That's the only one I've read, that kind of paranormally one. I loved Wild. Wild was so great. And then I read Battle Scars, which I also really loved, which was completely different from Wild. <laughs> yes, I have it here. Because um, that's about like the, the PTSD. Yes, yes. And the service dog and the woman who's a vet. And it was, oh, it was so good. Um, just like a really great, like straight up romance. Um, uh, it's, it's, you know, it's not fluffy. It, there is depth to it, but, it, but it's very much a romance novel. Um, and that book was just really, really really great do we want to talk about any of the tiffany rice rice stuff um you know i I love tiffany rice me too i I just do um but i think it focuses while there are kind of some like same-sex interactions i think the focus of that is more kind of on like the the kink yeah, you're um, right. I just was thinking there's a variety of LGBT characters. Yes, yes. She definitely does incorporate um, LGBT characters into her worlds. Mm-hmm. She does. Um, That's the only reason I thought of it. You know. Yes, and her writing is, is stunning. I love her stuff so much. It's so great. Yes, she's so great. But I do have to say that if you have the option not to read it in audio, please don't. Because the, <laughs> the narrators are... Um, among the most horrible yes yes that i've ever heard and that is saying something especially for I, the later books it's just uh, i think they're all just no <laughs> they're just all terrible like the the later ones at least are read by the same terrible person yes. <laughs> um but some of the earlier ones like they have all this kinds rotating, of different people yes and none of them are very good so if you can read them like on kindle or apple books um, then you might please, want to do that or yeah print, please do that if you're able and and, and and you know if you're not a big fan of kink then just don't read them at all but if you're no, cool that, no don't go ahead and read they're them wonderful they're really great they're really really great and before we wrap up i do want to give kind of a shout out to radcliffe and her yes. provincetown series yes um i'm not a big fan of everything that Radcliffe writes, but I love this series that's set um, in Provincetown and it features a cop and a doctor and they're just wonderful together. Um, and there are all these little like side romances that happen for different characters. Mm-hmm. And it's this wonderful community of lesbians. And I love them so much. Um, Safe Harbor being, I think my favorite of all of them. But they are, they are fantastic. And I want to mention, too, uh, Karen Callmaker really briefly. Oh, yes. Because I know we touched on her a bit. Um, and unfortunately, Paperback because... romance. I know, right? And Touchwood. Touchwood. I mean, there's so many. Okay. She's just, she's fantastic. And she writes a ton of, of romance. And unfortunately, the majority of her stuff is either print or you'd have to read it through ebook, like, you know, scanned somehow. And I don't even know, like, what's available now. Since... That's a good point. <laughs> this came out a while ago. Yeah, a lot of it is older, and a lot of it was put out in the same way that the Radcliffe books were. Um, I do know, though, that the Radcliffe books are available in audio. I have not seen the Callmaker there, though. And Megan O'Brien also, by the way, FYI, audio. Yes. On Audible, yeah. you can find a ton of her stuff, which is great. Yes. Um, but Karen Callmaker is just... I I don't know. For me, she was like 
I don't know, the Nora Roberts of LGBT romance. Of, like, lesbian romance. Yes, yes. exactly, exactly. I, I was just like, oh, it's so great. Like, you know, they're super quick reads. They're, like, 200-something pages. And just really just, you always have, like, a happy ending. And it's just, it's really nice. They're really yes, nice. they, they nice are very, very great. I really enjoy them a lot. Um, and there's that one, ooh, Unforgettable. Oh, I love Unforgettable. Yeah, right? So yes, good. that one. Um, and then that one is super great. I mean, there's just so many that like were just uh, so great. Um, Wild Things was that what it was? Oh, like, what was that called? What was it called? Was it called Wild Things? Maybe something like that. It was like, um, oh man, what was it? so terrible again i've read a bunch of these a long time ago it's really not that i'm having brain fog no Uh it's just they they all kind of run together and since i'm not sure that they're available it's not like we could you Uh, know necessarily go like get them again and this but if you can find them um you should know they're definitely worth checking out if you're looking for some some very hot very nice lesbian romances (laughs) we could talk about all of this for quite a while longer but I, I don't think we should <laughs> um time is a, a factor i suppose time is of the essence yeah so i suppose we should wrap up for now but thank you so much for chatting with me about this this was a yep. lot of fun absolutely and i think we have given people some fantastic things to check out lots and lots and lots of ideas yes um, of course, as always, thank you so much to Christine for her fantastic editing. Hopefully this one um, will not give her too much work to do. No, I hope not. Yeah, your editing is what makes this podcast sound as great as it does. Uh, yes, because sometimes uh, sometimes things are a little crazy. So thank you so much for making this something that people you know, actually like can stand to listen to. Um, and thank you, of course, to everyone who has been listening to the podcast. If you would like to let us know how we're doing, please feel free to leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or whichever platform you use to access the show. We would definitely appreciate your feedback and it would, of course, help other people to find the show as well. And if you want to get a hold of us, you can do that via Facebook by searching Book Bistro Podcast or by sending an email to thebookbistropodcast at gmail.com. Anyway, I hope all of you are enjoying the beginning of 2019 and we will be back next week with more bookish greatness. Take care, everybody. Bye.